hearts are mortgaged And our minds are media slaves The world is warming up as we are Mother Nature's wage Just inside She is taking Welcome to the Convergence on Voice America. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Inner Spiritual Dialogue Network, Unity Earth, and the Light on Light Press. We are so happy to be bringing this Voice America special to you entitled The Earth Constitution and the Great Transition. It is the second special in a series we are doing on our planet going global in an earth and people-friendly way. And it centers on the message in the important book, The Earth Constitution Solution, Designed for a Living Planet, by author Dr. Glenn T. Martin, Reverend Laura M. George, J.D., editor, and with a foreword by Ellen H. Brown, J.D., The book was released on July 1st, 2021 by the Peace Pentagon Press, so please check it out at all of your online booksellers and at the Peace Pentagon Press at peacepentagon.net and the oracleinstitute.org. That's peacepentagon.net and the oracleinstitute.org. We want to thank the nearly 16,000 listeners who have joined this series so far. Enjoying first the special that we posted on August 25th at Voice America entitled Global Unit of Healing Toward a World That Works for All with Ken Wilber, Gene Houston, David Corton, Rianne Eisler, David Sloan Wilson, and so many other prominent global thought leaders. In this special, which centers on the specific vision of the book, The Earth Constitution Solution, Designed for a Living Planet, we are joined by the author, Dr. Glenn T. Martin, and editor, Reverend Laura M. George, J.D., along with the renowned and several-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, Dr. Irvin Laszlo, of the Laszlo Institute and the Club of Budapest. Dr. Roger Kotila, president of the Democratic World Federalists, Eston McKeague, president of the Young World Federalists, Dr. P.N. Murthy, Vice President of the World Constitution and Parliament Association, and David Gallup, J.D., President and General Counsel of the World Service Authority. So thank you all for joining us. Full bios for all of our guests are at the Voice America show page, and the guests will be further introduced on our program by our co-host, Dr. Glenn T. Martin. In our third and likely fourth specials, which I'll say more about as we close, we'll be discussing the potentials and challenges of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which have been embraced by 193 nations worldwide. For that program, we'll be joined by members of the Sustainable Development Goals Thought Leader Circle from around the world and other special guests. So for the Earth Constitution and the Great Transition, let's go over now to our program co-host, Dr. Glenn T. Martin, 
to begin the program with his introduction. Dear brothers and sisters living together on our precious planet Earth, my name is Dr. Glenn T. Martin. I'm president of the World Constitution and Parliament Association, WCPA. WCPA is creator and supporter of the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. Let me talk a little bit about the background of our Constitution. We human beings need urgently to transform our world into a living community of love, justice, peace, mutual respect, and sustainability. During this 21st century, humanity is facing its ultimate test, its ultimate crisis. We face the possibility of our own extinction through nuclear holocaust and or climate destruction. What has brought us to this terrible condition? Where have we gone astray? How can we regain our centeredness, our love, our hope for a better future? A host of thinkers today, from cosmologists to theologians to philosophers, proclaimed that this miraculous universe, over its 13.8 billion years of existence, was somehow designed to produce us, beings capable of both self-awareness and awareness of the deepest ground of being, allowing us ultimately as people to live with a sense of fullness and meaning of life without this terrible struggle that has been human history so far. There is something very special, something cosmic about being human that we are in danger of losing forever. We're at a kairos, a turning point in human history. The ground of being, or however we wish to name this, depending on our background or tradition, has produced self-aware creatures capable of love, justice, peace, and ecological harmony. The Upanishads of India declare Vaishudaiva Kudumbakam, the world is one family. Yet we find our 21st century wracked by wars and militarism and hate and fear. We find our planetary ecosystem collapsing under the weight of human exploitation, greed, and intransigence. We have divided our precious planet into nearly 200 militarized sovereign units competing economically, militarily, culturally, struggling with one another with national, national secrecy, we have created a globalized economic system of absolute winners and losers, with 1% of the population owning more than 50% of the planet's wealth, while the bottom half of humanity struggles to satisfy their most basic necessities like food and shelter. We need to discover a way out of this suicidal trajectory. We need more than empty slogans or ideals. Such ideals are a dime a dozen. We need a concrete means of conversion, a practical blueprint that shows us how we might govern ourselves with justice, peace, freedom, and ecological sense. And that is why hundreds of world citizens worked together throughout the late 20th century to write the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. Beginning with the first Constituent Assembly in 1968 and completing the Constitution at the fourth Constituent Assembly in 1991, they created a document of surpassing brilliance and wisdom, a document today translated into many languages and supported by our worldwide organization, WCPA. 
The Constitution understands that we cannot merely tinker with the old system of toothless treaties among militarized sovereign nation states and unrestrained corporate greed if we want to survive. Rather, we must truly unite under the principle of unity and diversity, as it plainly states in its preamble. True unity and diversity cannot be achieved unless we unite our world under a common law and common vision of human civilization. The preamble declares that we are on the verge of a new age when the Earth's total resources shall be equitably used for human welfare. But this can only come about if we bring the rule of democratic law to our planet. As I have been writing and teaching for years, democratic world law is the 21st century form of love. If love, justice, and peace are to supersede hate, injustice, and war, then we must truly unite under this 21st century form of love. That is the role of the Earth Constitution. It completes our human community while protecting universal human rights. It puts all of us on the same page of democratic cooperation and freedom. It sets up a process to demilitarize the world safely and equitably, as well as providing a carefully designed set of institutions for protecting and restoring our planetary ecosystem. As I wrote in my most recent book, The Earth Constitution Solution, it truly gives us a design for a living planet, The Earth Constitution presents an integrated set of basic design features beginning with the grassroots participation of the people of Earth from 1,000 electoral districts worldwide in the House of Peoples. People participate directly in the governing of our planet. It's a key to human liberation. Secondly, in the World Parliament, there is the House of Nations with one, two, or three representatives from each nation depending on its population. Nations participate democratically just as their populations participate directly in the Earth Federation government. With the third house of the World Parliament, we have 200 representatives from around the world chosen for their expertise, wisdom, and leadership abilities. And the three houses together complete the World Parliament, giving humankind the capacity, the tools, for the first time ever in human history to govern themselves rather than being governed by militarized power centers, super-rich oligarchs, or corrupt corporate lobbies. Four main agencies complete the world democratic governing framework, the world judiciary, the world executive, the civilian world enforcement system, and the world ombudsman. Each of these is run by five elected leaders, one from each continental division of the world, giving us true diversity and preventing any one person from being too much in power. The ombudsman is a worldwide agency dedicated to protecting human rights and serving as a watchdog on the government itself to ensure that the Constitution is obeyed and everyone is equitably protected and embraced by the love that is genuine democratic law. Altogether, these and many other design features of the Earth Constitution tell us something about what love could and should look like on our planet. Protected rights for all, sufficient basic necessities for everybody, 
No more waste of 1.8 trillion U.S. dollars per year on militarism and war, as is now the case. Justice and freedom for all within the framework of our planetary common good and ecosystem protection. All this is love and action. Democratic world law is indeed the 21st century form of love. If human beings are growing into a consciousness of a destiny bequeathed to us by the ground of being, if we are truly made in the image of God or our one human family, then the Constitution for the Federation of Earth is the next great step in the actualization of our cosmic destiny. We need to be thinking in terms of our common destiny, our common humanity, our common civilization, and our shared precious planet that supports us all. Democratic world law is that key to the transformation of human history. We need to ratify the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. As world-renowned thinker Irvin Laszlo declared, quote, the achievement of the Earth Constitution solution would mark a milestone on humankind's evolution into a true planetary species, unquote. Please join the movement for democratic world law. Please visit our web- websites for more information, www.earthconstitution.world and www.wcpa.org. Thank you all of you who are concerned about our common future on the precious planet Earth. And blessings to all creatures, great and small. Let us democratically unite our planet to enable that synergy that will truly change the course of human history. Thank you, and God bless. Thanks, Dr. Martin, for that welcome and introduction. Next, we're going to be going over to our discussions with our guests which will be moderated by Dr. Glenn T. Martin and Reverend Laura M. George, right after this short message from the Earth Constitution Institute. Everywhere the sounds of violence and war, or the sounds of a hurricane ripping through our communities. Is there a way forward? Do we have a chance, a future? Yes. Thousands of world citizens have created a powerful symbol of hope and harmony, laying the foundation for humans to move beyond war and climate destruction to a truly new world. That symbol is the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. Our symbol of hope is also a ground for action. Under the Earth Constitution, the Provisional World Parliament is meeting in New Delhi, India, this December 10th through 12th, 2021. You too can be part of building our redeemed future. Find out about the Constitution and the Parliament at wcpa.global. Now is the time to act. Tomorrow may be too late. www.wcpa.global. Welcome back to The Convergence. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. We're going to continue now with the Earth Constitution and the Great Transition with presentations and discussions by our guests. So over now to our first group of discussants, Dr. Martin, Dr. Irvin Laszlo, and Reverend Laura George, who will be introduced and welcomed further by Dr. Glenn T. Martin, who will moderate their discussion. So over to them. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, I very much appreciate your introduction, and we know that you've introduced our 
well-known guests who we have in this segment of the special, uh, uh, world-renowned thinker, uh, uh, Irvin Laszlo and Reverend Laura George J.D., who is the head of the Institute, uh, the Oracle Institute in or Independence, Virginia. Uh, uh, Dr. Laszlo, uh, the Earth Constitution in my book, I, or, I, I argue that a key transition to a planetary civilization. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts about how that might fit into <laughs> your vision of a planetary civilization. Well, I think in terms of holism and distributed responsibilities and connection and consciousness, and these are all basic elements that I think about as a positive, constructive future. And the Earth's constitution seems to me is an essential tool or vehicle for creating a distributed responsibility world where people can come together and take decisions in their joint interest and, and manage their own lives and come to deeper insights also about what the world is really like and who they are, <clears throat> not mechanical aggregates separate from one another, but really embedded elements, hologra holographic practically fragments or elements in a giant hologram in which we all participate and which, in which we all have a role to play. So yeah, the yeah, Earth yeah. Constitution is the constitution of the human family on the Earth. And as such, I think of it as being a key element of creating a future that is worthy of our inheritance, worthy of our, our heritage altogether, and of our spirit, human spirit, which we have neglected, put on a back burner, as it were, in... in, in against uh, the priorities of, of gathering wealth and power. But now it's time to come back to that and through the constitution of all the human family to which everybody can agree to, working together, we can recover our own trueness, our own true self. So I very much welcome the Earth Constitution as an element of our progress toward a better future. Yes, uh, in in India, where we have many supporters, uh, uh, everybody speaks of Vaishadeva Kudambakam, the world is one family, which comes from the Upanishads, and uh, and uh, I I I think very much that the the Earth Constitution will play a key role in that development. Uh, it was designed also to deal with the lethal global problems that the system of nation states don't seem to be able to deal with. You know, the, the problem of climate collapse, the problem of nuclear weapons and war, uh, the problem of global poverty. So it, 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 I, you know, I think that it, it uh, in the actual process of people working together to join, to deal with these problems, it will increase their sense of being a human family. Does, it, does that make sense to you? Absolutely. <clears throat> I have in mind a principle which sounds paradoxical or controversial, but actually it's a very good principle. It's a principle of subsidiarity. 
which says that decisions should be made at the lowest level at which they are effective. Now, this all sounds like we are taking it apart um, and bringing it down to the individual level or family level or local village level. On the contrary, the fact is the lowest level in which some image, some problems, issues, and tasks are manageable is often the global level. Yes. And, and the earth level. So if you hold on to this principle, yes, you don't take away power from the individuals, from the smaller groups, but you embed them and make sure that the decisions are made at the right level. Community decisions can be made on local levels. Uh, security decisions can be made on state levels, perhaps. Health decisions can be made on regional levels. And certainly overall communication and resource use levels and ecolo ecological concerns have to be handled on the global level. That's the lowest level in which, at which they are effective. Yeah, wonderful. In your, in your writings, you often speak of holarchy, right? Nature is a holarchy. Indeed. And, uh, and I think that, that what you're saying now reminds me of that idea. You know, the, uh, everything integrates on, on various levels, but the levels themselves are part of a, a whole that works, uh, that, that really transcends the levels, but, but there's a, a mutual influence from the ground, ground up and from the whole to the, all the parts. Indeed, we have held as an international symposium uh, last month in, in, in July, in August, <clears throat> on, the new on the new paradigm in politics. <clears throat> and the new paradigm that we have been discussing and advocating, on which I also wrote a white paper, the introductory paper, is a holistic paradigm. It says that governance, the governance of human affairs on this earth has to be a whole system approach. Yes. Otherwise, we tend to just pick out some at the expense of the others. We sub-optimize the system and we create fragmentation. We create conflict and competition. Whereas if we keep the whole in mind, then we see that we ought to adjust within the, within the whole, the roles and responsibilities and the approach to freedom and well-being of all the parts, but the context is always the whole. And I would now say that the whole is not only the human family, it is the human family, but it is also the web of life on the planet. The whole, we are part of the biosphere, and the whole that we need to maintain, to keep, to help, to flourish, instead of, uh, instead of bringing about its decay and decomposition, is the web of life, is the biosphere, Gaia system yes. on this verse. And it's time to get back to that as the goal of policy and politics of, of human, humankind, maintain ourselves as a living system, as part of the, of the system of life on earth. Now, what you, what you say makes me think of the idea of world citizenship as well. Uh, Reverend uh, Laura George, uh, didn't you have some thoughts about this question of citizenship? Yes, the other topic that we wanted to explore with you, Irvin, is how the Earth Constitution assists us in attaining what Ken Wilber would call a second-tier uh, worldview, you know, a, a pluralistic worldview. Um, 
And we wanted to talk about how national sovereignty right now is an impediment to helping people attain that level of consciousness or imbuing that level of consciousness. Um, you know, your upcoming book, The Upshift, Meeting the Challenge, discusses the fact that we, we have to adopt a worldview of global citizenship if we're going to make it. So we were hoping we could talk about um, how consciousness impacts uh, our, our, our path toward a global planetary uh, consciousness. Well, consciousness is the path, is the only way we can move forward. A change of consciousness, a positive evolutionary change, is really the only thing <clears throat> that can bring us forward toward a global level of managing ourselves, governing ourselves in the old time-honored sense of the Greek philosophers, governing as a cybernetic as a, as a, a cybernetic activity, governing ourselves, not lending it to others, not letting authorities on any level govern us, taking the governance into our own hand. And that means being organized in such a way that we can understand that we belong together. You, you already mentioned global citizenship, you, you mentioned, mentioned uh, the human community as a whole, I think I would like to say that, yes, the new thinking that we need is essentially rooted in the idea that we are together a whole. And that whole is what gives us health and well-being and, and, and allows us to evolve further. We are as yet a half-evolved, a poorly evolved species that has actually set out on faulty paths of evolution. Mm. Now, this the new uh, pandemics, the global weather, uh, uh, environmental crisis, the the climate refugees, and the all these related problems just show that we need to handle the problems at the level at which they are effective, and that means global citizenship in a global within a global parliament not being little pawns in a game played by powerful individual independent interests, but recognizing that we are all part of the same game. You're part of the same system. And the system is, as you mentioned, a wholearchy, a wholeness system, not one where one governs the other. I, I think it's very important. It's a key to my mind. I actually think people are ahead of their governments. I mean, if you, if you study um, the reports that come in from Pew and other statistics, pluralism is the fastest growing meme, uh, what I call new humans. These are people who absolutely understand that principles of harmony and cohesiveness and unity and diversity are at the heart of human civilization. So the fact that our governments are lagging uh, in terms of, you know, promoting, continuing to promote a nationalistic fervor in many cases. Um, I think that adds even more power to the argument that the Earth Constitution itself is the design we need because it will validate what people are already feeling. People are going world-centric in large numbers. And I just was curious about your thoughts um, on that as well, if you think people are ready 
finally ready to adopt a constitution for the earth. Well, we are getting closer to it. Uh, these global crises that you're living through actually shaking up the system. They're giving it that little initial kick which can move it in another direction. Systems become very sensitive when they are close to the levels of their maximum levels of sustainability. Then a lot, a lot of butterfly effects can take place. Lots of small initiative can, can multiply and become a force in the system. One of the initiatives that you mentioned is so important is relates to sovereignty. The whole idea of sovereignty, whether it's national or, or, or regional or village or state or whatever, it's a mistake. It's as though we could portion, portion the earth into segments, into little slices, and say this slice is our sovereign territory. It is people on the slice are sovereign, and the government of that, of that, of that slice is sovereign. That means that <clears throat> nobody and nothing and nobody else can influence what is happening, can have an impact on it, as though we could simply carve out a part of the earth, a part of the human community, a part of the, of the web of life, and say, this is one slice, and here we are, we are the ones, we are the masters. It, it's an old, even the 19th century was already transcended notion. It goes back to the Middle Ages where warring princedoms who consider themselves masters of their own little territory could, could fight each other for a little larger slice of the pie. This is not the kind of world we live today, the world in which all things condition and interact and decide the way we can move forward, the way we are moving forward, whether we know it or whether we like it or not. Sovereignty is a mistake. And, and the separateness is a mistake. Separateness, as Einstein said, is an illusion, actually, mm -hmm. in terms of the new, new science, quantum sciences, but the, you know, even in relativity theories, they're already, you know, that you can't separate one part of another. We are living in an integrated space-time universe where all things act together. And not, not, nothing and nobody can master just one part at the expense of the other, just according to the way he or she likes it. So global citizenship means we are all citizens of the globe. We are, sit, we are sovereign together, not as human beings, because even I think the human family is not sovereign on this earth. The, over, the overall web of life, I think, Life, the phenomenon of life in this corner of the universe, is the sovereign entity, is the wholeness that we must seek. Anything less than that is only a part. And to proclaim that that is a sovereign is, a, is a basically very fallacious and very dangerous mistake. One of the, uh, the interesting things about the UN Universal um, uh, sustainable development that was approved by the General Assembly is that in item 18 of that document, it says that every nation has complete sovereignty over all of its internal resources and economic uh, arrangements uh, to the exclusion of every other nation. And 
in in ecological terms, in terms of our planetary Gaia, our biosystem, that that seems uh, to bear out what you're talking about. That we have a very um, destructive uh, uh, system uh, in uh, that the UN Sustainable Development Goals cannot be achieved with that kind of idea in the background. The United Nations itself is a fossil as conceived originally. Sure, we want to protect everyone. We protect and we want to eliminate war and have security worldwide. These are all noble goals. But the way to reach that is not by assigning sovereignty to the member nations. The United Nations is, in a sense, a contradiction in terms. Mm-hmm. Yes, nations yeah. are spent to be sovereign, but a sovereign nation cannot be united. So that is, an, is, an, is a non-plus, is an exorbitant claim. Yeah. We can be united as a people. We can be united as sovereign nations. And yet, United Nations has been founded on the principles of individual nation states becoming sovereign and members and as members of the of the larger whole. They are members in, of the of the United System, but they can maintain their sovereignty over their own territory, over their own people. Well, that is a blockage. We all know it. I think the United Nations, the staff, the Secretariat knows this. I worked for seven years there, and we all knew it. But it cannot be helped because the the governments who make up the international system, the bulk of the international system, really agree to joining as long as they can dispose of their own resources, their own people, as they wish, without interference from the outside. Sounds a wonderful, noble goal, but in practice, in an interconnected, interdependent world, that is not a practical aim. That is at least to conflict. Yes, our, our allotted time uh, appears to have gone by already. Uh, and uh, it, this conversation is just so wonderful. I'd like to be able to continue it. But, uh, but it, I think we need to... Uh, yes. Uh, um, uh, Reverend George, do you have a concluding uh, comment? or? Uh, um, I just want to say that um, the body of work that Irvin has contributed is absolutely fundamental to understanding the trajectory of humanity. I want to thank you, Irvin. Um, And I am hoping that the A-field, as you call it, will, as the keeper of the memory and of our progress, propel us even further into a glorious future. Thank you so much. Well, there's people like yourself, like you are here, I think we can work, we can reach it together. We can reach this next evolutionary step. We need that mindset change and you are embedding and manifesting that new mindset that we need. So it's wonderful to have this conversation with you and I look forward to working with you for the common good. Wonderful. Wonderful, Om Jai. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Glenn, Irvin and Laura. That was really enlightening and critical content. So we're going to go over now to our second group of guests, Esten McKeague and P.N. Murphy, along with Dr. Glenn T. Martin and Reverend Laura George. 
They will be welcomed and introduced further by Reverend George, who will moderate the discussion. So now, over to them. Hi, my name is Laura George, and I'm the Executive Director of the Oracle Institute, located at the Peace Pentagon in Independence, Virginia. I'm also a member of the Earth Constitution Institute Board of Directors, which is headquartered in the U.S. at the Peace Pentagon. I am very pleased to be hosting this segment of the Voice America special on the Earth Constitution and the Great Transition. With me is Professor P.N. Murthy, who is Vice President of the Earth Constitution Institute and Communications Coordinator for the World Constitution and Parliament Association, which is the sister organization of ECI. Both WCPA and ECI educate the public about the Earth Constitution, and WCPA takes the lead in planning provisional world parliaments. You can learn more about the World Constitution and Parliament Association and the upcoming 15th World Parliament at www.wcpa.global. Also with me is Esten McKegg. He is president of the Young World Federalist, an international organization dedicated to bringing the message of World Federation to a new generation. To learn more about the Young World Federalist, visit www.ywf.world. In this segment of the Voice America special, we're gonna focus primarily on two topics. First, we're gonna discuss how the Earth Federation movement and the Earth Constitution specifically will end war. Secondly, we're gonna explore how the democratic electoral process and a new world court would work under the Earth Constitution to provide proper representation to the peoples of Earth. So let's start with ending war, which is one of the main goals of world federalism. Uh, the Earth Constitution is based on a systems theory design, uh, which, recommend, which recognizes that outcomes are determined by design. So in this document, we feel we can make the great transition to planetary consciousness. Uh, today, the militarized nation states settle disputes in a pretty much any manner they want. Um, in the U.S., 1.8 trillion U.S. dollars is spent annually on the American military industrial complex, and this fuels the global war economy. So I think we're all aware that the UN is relatively powerless in overseeing conflicts and the International Court of Justice is a non-binding court. So I wanna start with you, Esten. I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Would you please share your thoughts on how world federalism will end war? Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a tough question uh, when you pose it like that, uh, but one that needs answering. And, and something that you touched on um, was the history of world federalism and anti-war. And actually the, the movement uh, after World War II was entirely uh, devoted towards uh, ending war and putting uh, nuclear weapons under the hands of, uh, in the hands of the people of the world uh, and not any one uh, national government. Um, so anti-nuclear weapons was actually one of the main uh, causes of world federalism in the beginning. Uh, Albert Einstein uh, was a outspoken world federalist and spoke exactly on the, the threat of nuclear weapons. Um, yeah, so there's, a, there's actually quite a long history of being anti-war and world federalist. The relationship is strong. Um, in terms of the Earth Constitution, I think it's a, a great example of what a potential constitution uh, for the world could look like. Um, the peacekeeping and peacebuilding institutions 
such as a, a world court and a strengthened uh, United Nations peacekeeping force um, are exactly the sort of tools that humanity needs to prevent war and conflict. Um, yeah, so basically a system of global justice uh, that we don't see uh, in the present day. Um, it's one thing to say, you know, make war illegal or abolish war. Uh, abolish war is one of the Young World Federalist campaigns. Uh, so it's one thing to say it and, and to say, okay, we'll just make it a law. I mean, there's many international treaties that outlaw, um, you know, aggressive conflict, uh, wars of aggression and uh, crimes against humanity and things like that. And, and they're trampled over uh, every day. Um, so what's needed isn't necessarily, you know, strong language but actual institutions of implementation and enforcement uh, to back up the will of humanity and make a peaceful future uh, for all a reality. Um, and of course, as will be discussed later by Murthy, uh, a democratically elected parliament of humanity would uh, provide the legitimacy for such institutions. So it's important that uh, you know, world enforcement bodies aren't uh, independent of the will of the people. Um, and so this uh, world parliament would also provide an oversight role for what would theoretically become some of the most powerful institutions on earth. I mean, we are talking about a system of global justice, so we shouldn't be naive to think that that wouldn't be a very powerful institution and need oversight. Um, and a system of checks and balances that would distribute military power uh, to various civilian authorities, um, which would be necessary to keep a potential world police or world military uh, within the framework and guidelines set out by a world parliament. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, that's sort of the, the short overview. Uh, yeah, it's obviously quite a complex goal. And in world federalists, uh, like I said, I mean, we've been, we've been anti-war for a long time, for almost 70 years or over 70 years. And uh, the debate over how exactly to uh, control uh, the threat of nuclear weapons and, and conflict in general is, is, a hot is hotly debated, even amongst the world federalist community. Um, so there's no uh, agreed upon answer. And I don't think there necessarily should be. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, uh, that's sort of my two cents on the issue. Well, thank you. Um, now I want to talk about how the Earth Constitution is specifically designed to end war. In fact, uh, Article One of the Earth Constitution, the very first function of government is to, quote, prevent war, secure disarmament, and resolve territorial and other disputes which endanger peace and human rights. So it's right up there in front um, as the overarching goal of the Earth Constitution. Murthy, can you help us understand uh, the other aspects of the Earth Constitution which would help end war and bring peace to our planet? Yeah, thanks, uh, Reverend Lara. Uh, I have two more points to add to what you both have mentioned already. The first and foremost is this is an inclusive constitution, first of its kind in the world, where world citizens themselves, they sat together, they discussed, they wrote, and they adopted this Earth Constitution. And very well mentioned in its preamble, it says, we the citizens of the world. So it is an inclusive document. Second is, you know, in addition to Article 1, 1 we have 
about 67 world legislative acts which are approved in various provisional world parliaments significant of it is the first one world legislative act number 1 which says prohibition of weapons of mass destruction so there are others like world legislative act for world peace world legislative act 14 world security act world legislative act 15 world human rights act etc etc so the situation is all kinds of military economic political aggressions will come to an end when earth constitution is in its place thank you thank you yes and um for those who want to read the constitution and read about the enforcement provisions it is on the earth constitution uh institute website uh you'll see their details on how the world police would work uh and enforcement well, let's switch topics though and let's discuss how under the earth constitution the democratic process would be unveiled um the earth constitution provides for the proper representation of the people of earth through various bodies there's the house of the people and the house of the nations in addition to the house of the councillors let's focus on the house of the people's right now because i know murthy is working on this under the earth constitution there would be 1000 world electoral districts to represent the people of earth so could you tell us more about these 1000 world districts and how um you are in the process of setting up along with the earth constitution institute and wcpa a mode for people to actually join this uh parliament and vote sure uh before coming to the world world electoral districts per se you know i wish to share with the viewers uh, another historical uh, aspect uh in 90 1945 way back in 1945 at san francisco uh, conference the leader of indian delegation sir arkat ramaswamy mudaliyar said that he is going back home with the hope that soon un is going to be i quote the convocation of parliament of man and establishment of federation of the world so first time UN was conceived to be the federation of the world has this happened in the last 75 years no now the reasons are many article 19 of the earth constitution very clearly says if the nations of the earth continue to refuse to act the people of earth have the right and duty to directly establish the earth federation by themselves so this is a beautiful idea and we all want the earth constitution to be in place how do we get the earth constitution to be in place it can happen in either of the two ways as mentioned in the article 17 the first one is any of the 25 nations of the world can ratify the earth constitution or people of the world from 1000 world electoral districts ratifying the 
earth constitution through proper voting so this is where the world electoral districts assume significance now what is world electoral districts uh the basic electoral administrative units of the world government shall be world electoral and administrative districts as mentioned in article 2.4 so the very idea of world elect electoral districts is something uh, which is in sync with the panchayat raj system as av available in india a truly democratic in the sense that people from the grassroots are part of this governance process so identification of the world electoral districts is of paramount importance and uh, it's very interesting and challenging task there is a dedicated team of people working with dr eugenia almond the secretary general of wcpa to manage this now very quickly i'll share with you how this uh, uh, world electoral districts look like out of the thousands uh, almost 595 will come from asia 172 from africa about 96 from europe and about 84 from uh, latin america and uh, caribbean 47 from north america and uh, other six to come from oceanian lands uh, all over, from all over the world now work has started with the state of virginia and north georgia these two states from us have been completed now the focus is more on india where there are about 209 world electoral districts uh, uh, in strict adherence to the provisions of the structure of indian constitution and the law of the land uh, india is a very big uh, challenge because we have uh, so much of diversity here so many cultural uh, uh, linguistic uh, uh, variations it has become a very challenging task for us and uh, uh, how does this world electoral districts work members of these world electoral districts can elect their representative the provisional world parliament which is the predecessor to what we will ultimately call house of people and uh, the people from this world electoral districts also can ratify the earth constitution through a proper voting which will add legitimacy to the ratification process uh so we are busy with uh, managing this and very soon we will be uh, completing the task uh thank you so much thank you monkey and esten too do you have any final thoughts esten on the proper way to get um representation of the peoples of earth i think the earth constitution model is is uh pretty elegant and um makes a lot of sense we do know that we need world democracy badly today so any closing thoughts uh no i mean i just was um kind of uh interested in in what murthy was saying about how difficult it is to draw these uh districts in in a place as diverse as india um so i i i can only imagine uh how how tough a task that is and uh yeah that's that's all i know that it's is very uh, it's a noble goal um quite difficult and uh yeah and you're not alone in, in working on this i'm aware of uh, other such groups uh, devoted to very similar tasks and goals of uh creating some sort of 
uh, world parliament or citizens assembly and things like that. Um, so it's a quite a committed group of, of individuals and groups and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully soon we'll all be voting in the world parliament. Um, <laughs> yeah. And to learn more about the upcoming 15th provisional world parliament, you can visit wcpa.global. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Laura, Eston, Murphy, and Glenn. That was really an important further contribution to this discussion and a great setup to the next group of guests that we'll be hearing from. So for this third discussion, let's go over now to our next group of guests, David Gallup, J.D., and Dr. Roger Cotilla, who will be welcomed and introduced further by Dr. Glenn T. Martin, who will moderate the discussion. As we said earlier, further bios for all of our guests are at the Voice America show page. This group will be discussing the Earth Constitution and its vision in much more detail. So back now to Glenn. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and brothers and sisters, uh, and listeners from all over the place, I'm delighted to have with me two eminent uh, guests on this segment of the show. Uh, uh, David Gollop, who is a lawyer, uh, and he is the president of the World Service Authority based in Washington, D.C. He's already been introduced to you by Kurt Johnson. Uh, he's a, an activist, a worldwide activist, and I'm delighted to have him here. And we also have Dr. Roger Cotilla, who is a psychologist, and he is president of the Democratic World Federalists based in San Francisco. We have both sides of the country here represented. <laughs> uh, we're all world citizens, so we're really representing humanity in some fundamental way. So welcome, both of you. Uh, I'm pleased to have you here. Um, let me ask you this question. You know, we're, we've been taught the, the book, uh, my book talks about the Earth Constitution as designed for a living planet. Um, I wonder if we could relate that to the idea of how the Earth Constitution might promote effective and authentic world citizenship for humanity. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll start. If okay. That's okay. Great. Uh, well, so I think the first thing to think about is what is world citizenship and, and why would we want to relate the earth constitution or that kind of framework to the idea of world citizenship. And fundamentally, world citizenship is an engagement, you might say, of our rights and our duties at the world level. That means that no matter where any individual lives on planet earth, uh, they have rights, we have rights, yeah. that we, as well as duties that we should be able to claim and to exercise. But we know within the system that we're living <clears throat> in now, the nation state system that, that divides the world, that leads to oftentimes violence, both to among humans and to our planet, uh, that our rights and duties are not being met. So we, how do we link this idea of creating a fully functioning uh, world or democratic world system through the, the implementation and the voting on a, an earth constitution? Well, that would give us the structure or as Glenn, as you say, a brain for planet earth, which we don't have right now. If we really want our That's rights true. and duties, which are yeah. um, inclusive, you know, that everyone has them, they're, they're, we're born with them innate and, and out, unalienably, yeah. we need a, a framework, a structure that will allow us to, 
to have those rights upheld everywhere for us as individuals. And that's what I th think is the beauty of the Earth Constitution is that it puts responsibility on every individual. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you make. It isn't that these rights are going to be conferred by the Constitution once it's ratified, right? What the Constitution does is recognize our common humanity, recognize our rights and duties. Roger, how, how about you? Well, I think David said it pretty well. What I like about it is that um, as a human being and an individual, you know, an American citizen and world citizen, if I go to France or Russia or China, uh, under the Earth Constitution, I have, would have certain rights as a world citizen that I wouldn't have otherwise. The, the uh, concept of uh, world citizenship, I think, is really uh, critical. And uh, those uh, world passports you do, uh, David, I think are really going to be helpful. Uh, I think of, uh, you know, the Earth Constitution is a federation. So like here in the United States, I'm in California, but if I went to Texas or Mississippi, I would have uh, the same rights that I have in California, more or less. And I think at the world level, this is going to really be helpful. And I'll get into it a little later, but uh, part of the importance of this has to do with the fact that certain nations have been taken over by criminals, by uh, kleptocrats, and uh, because of sovereignty, the sovereignty principle in the UN Charter, uh, it's hard to, uh, if, if you're unlucky and live in that country, uh, you're stuck. That's right. And, and that, that has to change. As a world citizen, you should have some recourse to, uh, to not be uh, stuck in a, in, a, in a corrupt country. In fact, yeah. as, as you uh, have pointed out in terms of my book, Roger, uh, um, not only are you stuck if you're under a dictator, but but the um, sustainable development goals of the UN say that the resources of every single country belong to that country. Absolutely. So if you're stuck in a place like Brazil under Bolsonaro, who is somewhat of a dictator, authoritarian, uh, he, uh, he can develop the Amazon jungle, the lungs of the earth. And in you as a citizen, what can you do about it? You know. And yeah. Yeah. And unless we're world, for world citizens, then then something gets expanded where our common humanity gets emphasized, I think. And, and uh, how much more fundamental is that? People begin to, th as David pointed out a few moments ago, people begin to think differently, right? They begin to think as, in terms of their common humanity, which to me, uh, if we start out with the system of militarized sovereign nation states, they think in terms of patriotism, patriotism to this military, to this security, to this, this portion of humanity. And it supersedes rights almost inevitably. It'll supersede universal mm -hmm. duties and so on and so on. Yeah, I think it's important to point out right at this uh, juncture in our conversation that um, the Earth Constitution also affirms uh, the creation of a uh, world uh, judicial system. Uh, I've been working on a, uh, establishing uh, as a convener uh, of a world court of human and environmental rights uh, uh, for humanity, because what's really uh, upsetting is that about 60% of the world's population lives in a part of the world where there is not even a regional human rights system. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you, if you live in Asia, there is no Asian 
commission on human rights, like there is an African commission or an African charter or an inter-American or European commission. That means that if those people are right, if the rights are violated within their country, there's no recourse for them to yeah, go yeah. anywhere beyond that to get their rights respected. So it's so important. And what's, <clears throat> what's so I'm so excited about the Earth Constitution is that there uh, have been also world legislative acts that have been developed in conjunction with the Constitution. And one of those is the promotion of a World Court of Human and Environmental right, Rights. Right. And I think that's crucial right now as an institution, yeah. which would be part of the, the fully functioning uh, Earth Constitution system. Yeah. In fact, what the Earth Constitution did was take the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. It's one of the things they've done in this regard. It, which is a beautiful document, except that it does not include the principle of mandamus. That is the principle where the court has authority, authority to order arrests, authority to order uh, subpoenas, and so on. Um, uh, right now, the, that, that document uh, give, leaves it up to the host states. The, the, it called the principle of complementarity. It leaves it up to the host states, the, the signatory states. And so the court has to work with those states. But mandamus, a real court, uh, has authority, right, uh, and effective authority. And, that's, and that is part of the world legislation that we've done. Yeah, what I like to do is uh, on these kinds of issues is always compare what the Earth Constitution would do compared to what the U.N. Charter does Good and the U.N. can yeah. do. And uh, something we don't like to talk about. Uh, is the fact that uh, some of the major nations have conveniently uh, kept themselves above the law. And they routinely violate international law with impunity. Yes. So, and, and so as long, and that's particularly with the uh, UN Security Council, the permanent five with veto power. Uh, they're above the law that there's no international institution that can uh, stop what they're doing when they invade a country, overthrow a country. Uh, so the UNP5 uh, and their proxies, uh, yep. like Israel, for example, uh, violating the, the rights of the Palestinians, but under the protection of the United States in the, in the UN, uh, nothing can be done. That's so, and, yeah, uh, so the idea of law and order and uh, enforcement and, and a uh, well thought out world uh, judicial system, I think is key. I write about it all the time. Um, well, maybe because I worked 20 years in the California prison system in the uh, premier psychiatric place. So on top of all of that, I'll just slip in. I'm an expert on psychopaths and sociopaths. And in uh, the geopolitical system, the current system, if a country's taken over by crooks, sociopaths and psychopaths, uh, the people in that country are really trapped. Yes. And they can't yes. go to the UN because of the sovereignty principle. Yeah. Good, a very good point. And the Earth Constitution will change that because of the, 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 uh, the, the legal system. Yeah, what do you think, David? Uh, should the Charter of the UN be replaced by the Constitution? Well, the UN Charter has an article, which is 109, which yeah. has uh, allowed for, as you all both know, allowed for there to be a review conference every 10 years. Well, that review conference has never happened. That's what does right. that mean? That means that those, as Roger mentioned, those five permanent members don't want it to happen because anything that, that changes will potentially impact their claim over sovereignty and their impunity, as, as Roger also mentioned. So I, I'm, I'm from the viewpoint that uh, the Earth Constitution 
is an alternative approach. It's not to get rid of the UN Charter, but uh, when we uh, build upon this idea and, and you might say share it with humanity in a, in a much deeper way than we already have, uh, people will see that it's an important tool that we can go to, just like any tool that's created. I mean, the person who created the, the ballpoint pen to replace the quill wasn't really intending necessarily to get rid of the quill, right? But it certainly has. And now our, our telephone or, you know, our laptop has certainly replaced the pen. Yeah. So every yeah. new tool that we can provide, like the Earth Constitution, will hopefully... Uh, by in people's minds, both through the idea of world citizenship uh, and, and coming together in, fr from the heart, you might say, and then we link that to our head, which is how do, how do we develop you know, yeah. the brain and the institutions together, then I can see that people will, will flock to that idea. And, and so it's not necessarily saying we're going to get rid of one thing, but that it, maybe people will see, well, this, this is a much better system, so they're going to automatically want to go to it anyway. But I would add that there are incompatible principles, right? Sure. For sure. example, the Earth Constitution is green from beginning to end. It, it addresses the global climate crisis. The UN Charter says nothing about that, right? True. Uh, the UN Charter says it's about peace, but then it sets up peace, uh, as we know, with uh, a, a system that cannot achieve peace, right? Uh, and as you pointed out before, a real effective judiciary system which the UN does not have and does not set up, uh, uh, would be a key instrument in peace and, and creating a different world order. So I, I would, you know, if people are looking at these two documents, uh, they're, you know, maybe they're, they could revise one or the other, but, uh, but our, our position in WCPA uh, is that we ratify the Earth Constitution first and then if it needs changes, then the second step will be changes. And that's built right into the Constitution, the ability to do that. So, uh, Dr. Well, Cotilla, uh, how about... Yeah, well, one point you make, Glenn, uh, regarding the United Nations, uh, which I think is important, is the agencies uh, in the United Nations that are effective and good, uh, when the uh, Earth Constitution enters the picture, will actually be able to make those agencies even more effective. So most, a lot of what's going on with the UN will stay there. It'll just be more effective. Yeah. They're, they're working now, uh, I've written, like with one hand behind their back to try to solve global problems. Yeah. Good point. And, and that's, got, that's got to change. It's like with Afghanistan. If, if Afghanistan uh, starts to uh, violate the rights of girls and women, uh, it shouldn't be the U.S. that jumps in. It should be the UN that jumps in that's and supervises the new government. No. Or in some manner, uh, handles it, and that would mean including China and India in in that process of a UN a group that supervises and makes and helps Afghanistan become a, a good a good country, a Absolutely. good government. Absolutely, well, I think our time is about up. Our segment, uh, which is supposed to be twelve minutes. Uh, uh, is about up, but uh, you know it, it's been wonderful uh, with both of you as experts in the, in these geopolitical issues and so on. It's been wonderful uh, discussing these questions with you, uh, and let's continue. Let's all continue working together. I think it's you know we're we're going someplace in this world, and and it so badly needs people like yourselves who are working on the, on this level. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Martin, for leading such an urgent and critical group of discussions 
on this topic, the Earth Constitution and the Great Transition. This has been really informative, and we're excited to see how you and your team are going to wrap this up with what has been such a great, informative, and inspiring program. So for that, Dr. Martin and Reverend George, you're both going to be joining us in just a moment, right after this message from the Oracle Institute. Imagine a world in unity where people happily coexist, a place where compassion, cooperation, and a culture of peace are the focus of the collective thinking. At the Oracle Institute, we believe such a world is possible, and we offer educational programs that empower people to co-create a glorious future. Our school curriculum engages body, mind, and spirit, guiding people to activate their own personal power. Oracle Press has won six awards by publishing books that expand consciousness and spiritual development. And we founded a community called the Valley of Light, where we live together to model sustainable spiritual values. The heart of our campus is the Peace Pentagon, where we organize local to global action events, such as our Building the New World Summit. The Peace Pentagon also serves as the U.S. headquarters for the Earth Constitution Institute. We support democratic world government to ensure equal rights for all people, an end to war, and the preservation of our precious planet. To learn more about Oracle and the Peace Pentagon, visit theoracleinstitute.org and peacepentagon.net. Welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. We're going to be wrapping up now with Dr. Glenn T. Martin, our co-host and moderator, and Reverend Laura George, giving us their final thoughts on the subject of the Earth Constitution solution. They also will be telling us more about what's coming up next in all of their international work. Dr. Martin, thanks so much for such an incredible program, and over to you and Reverend George now to summarize and wrap up. Well, I am pleased that my book, The Earth Constitution Solution, Designed for a Living Planet, is currently being discussed in a number of venues, in radio, video, and internet. This is not because I'm concerned with popularity or any such thing, but because I'm deeply troubled about the future of humanity on our endangered planet Earth. A number of climate experts quoted in the book have stated clearly that we are in the process of making ourselves extinct as a species. If we do not unite the world for global action in the immediate future, the process of climate destruction may well become self-reinforcing through feedback loops and passing tipping points of no return and hence beyond human control. Our chief guest in this program, Dr. Irvin Laszlo, affirmed that the Earth Constitution represents a key step in the process of creating a truly planetary civilization for the Earth and in creating a decent future for humanity. To my mind, the Earth Constitution alone makes possible united planetary action in time to salvage a livable future for humanity, and also for many other endangered species. It sets out explicit criteria for ratification, and it allows us to begin provisional world government here and now. In fact, We have already done that in several ways, one of which is the creation of world electoral districts that prepare the way for direct elections by the people of Earth. In this program, we heard Narasimha Murthy talk about his work in this respect. Laura, what is your takeaway on the discussion with Eston McKeague and Narasimha Murthy? 
Mm. To start, Glenn, let me echo that it was a joy to have Dr. Laszlo join our Voice America special and for him to endorse your new book, The Earth Constitution Solution. His contributions to creating global consciousness cannot be overstated. The fact that the president of the Young World Federalists joined us as well is proof that the message of global unity has reached persons around the world of all ages. Esther McKeague focused on the urgent need to abolish war. And he pointed out that only through a robust world government with a binding world judiciary will this be possible. He touched on the disarmament powers of the world parliament under the Earth Constitution as compared to the ability of the UN Security Council nations to veto and block even peacekeeping missions. We also compared the world judiciary under the Earth Constitution, which would be binding in all international disputes. And we compared that to the voluntary and therefore ineffective International Court of Justice established by the United Nations. Narasimha Murthy, who's vice president of the World Constitution and Parliament Association, then described the basic model of the Earth Constitution. We discussed the three legislative bodies that will craft world law, the House of Peoples, which is based on world population, like our U.S. House of Representatives, the House of Nations, which is similar to our Senate, and the ingenious House of Counselors, which draws on scholars and wisdom keepers from around the world. Mr. Murthy then described the formation of the Thousand World Electoral District that will be democratically electing representatives to the House of Peoples. And then we also discussed the upcoming 15th Provisional World Parliament, which is going to take place this December in India. We may have forgotten to add, however, that other NGOs are invited to attend this historic event. This will be the fifth, 15th time that world citizens have gathered under Article 19 of the Earth Constitution to further the process of ratification and to pass important legislation, such as the Act for a New Sustainability Index proposed by our colleague Leopoldo Cook in Latin America and the Statute on the Rights of Women that I have proposed. Yes, in my discussion with David Gallup and Roger Cotilla, we also compared the world system as it now exists with the world system constructed by the Earth Constitution. Both guests emphasized that the principle of world citizenship in the Constitution would be invaluable for people around the world who would have then enforceable rights and duties under democratic world law. Under the present system, if some crooked government comes to power in any country, the people are trapped there under that repression. Sovereignty prevents their leaving and their ability to appeal to higher constitutional rights as protected by the Earth Constitution. Both David Gallup and Roger Cotilla discussed the ways in which the UN cannot overcome this problem because it has no real authority over sovereign nations, especially the five permanent members of the Security Council. All in all, this has been a dynamic Voice of America program replete with all these interesting and articulate guests. Laura, what would you like to say in conclusion for our program? Well, first, I would like to thank our dear host, Dr. Kurt Johnson, who has devoted his life to envisioning and helping manifest a better world. Kurt, along with other renowned futurists, have participated in two of our Building the New World Summits that were sponsored by the Earth Constitution Institute and the Oracle Institute. And so for that, I am grateful as well. Next, speaking on behalf of Oracle Institute Press, we were so honored to publish your latest book, Glenn. And the book is entitled, The Earth Constitution Solution, Design for a Living Planet, 
I want our listeners to know that the book is being internationally distributed and can be purchased nearly anywhere in the world, including online at Amazon and at the Oracle Press Bookstore. And lastly, I'd just like to emphasize to everyone listening that they can join the Earth Constitution Movement and attend the 15th Provisional World Parliament. And they can do that by visiting and registering at the Earth Constitution Institute website, which is www.earthconstitution.world. And let me add that in the U.S., we're headquartered at the Peace Pentagon in Independence, Virginia. And we also have another global office in India. And their website is www.wcpa.global. And we want to thank everyone who participated in this Voice America special and to those who tuned in. May we build the world we seek. Om Jai. Om Jai. Thank you, everybody. And it's been wonderful having you all with us. And we'll say goodbye. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Glenn T. Martin and Reverend Laura George, for hosting such an exciting and informative program. We've really been happy to welcome this message into our series of Voice America specials on going global in an earth and people-friendly way. We've had over 50,000 listeners join us for our programs, our moment of choice, Atlas Shrugged or Atlas Hugged, which then set the stage for our August program, Global Unit of Healing Toward a World That Works for All, that just preceded this special. You can check that out more by seeing the book, Global Unit of Healing, from the Light on Light Press, and Googling further special commentary about it at YouTube. At YouTube, just search under Ken Wilber and Claudia Wells on Global Unit of Healing. That's Ken Wilber and Claudia Wells, W-E-L-S-S, on Global Unit of Healing. And the book, Our Moment of Choice, has gone on to win Gold Nautilus, COVR Visionary, New York Book Festival, and Living Now Gold Medal Awards. So following on the Earth Constitution and the Great Transition, please let others know about this broadcast and about how to obtain the book, The Earth Constitution Solution, Designed for a Living Planet, from the Peace Pentagon Press, and also articles about it that are free in the e-magazine's Trends at we.net and the OWL at sacredstories.com. That's Trends at we.net and the OWL at sacredstories.com. And as always, our free Light on Light e-magazines are always following all of these change major topics at www.issuu.com slash lightonlight. That's www.issuu.com slash lightonlight. We're going to be following in October and November with further Voice America specials from the Evolutionary Leader Circle's Sustainable Development Goals Thought Leader Circle and their special luminary guests. You can find out more about that circle at sdgthoughtleaderscircle.org. That's sdgthoughtleaderscircle.org. In those broadcasts, thought leaders from all around the world will be discussing the potentials and challenges of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, endorsed by 193 nations worldwide, and the major shift in global consciousness that will be needed to accomplish something as ambitious 
and as urgent as those international goals. This is a challenging time, but the answer, as we all know, is in the we, all of us working together in what we share. So we thank you for keeping your attention on this theme, the Earth Constitution and the Great Transition, and all other themes toward that world that works for all in this, which is truly our moment of choice. So until our next specials, be sure and tell others about this series of broadcasts and lots of love from all of us, and be safe and be well. I search my way through wreckage, try to find a peace to save. Was it a hurricane? Was it rain? Was it a warm tsunami? That's an insult to the brain. While all our hearts are mortgaged and our minds are media slaves. The world is warming up as we are Mother Nature's wage. Just inside, she is taking. Just in time.